When we begin to treat ourselves with respect as a worthy individual, we stop self-sabotaging. Valuing our innate worth as a human being, doing the best we can day to day, which sometimes is better than other times, as we grow and learn and make mistakes, because that's how we learn. We don't learn by succeeding all the time. We don't go, oh, I couldn't accept that. Instead, we open our arms and say, thank you. It's Osla Moskan from Amsterdam. It's so nice to have you here today on Bridging. In Bridging, I have incredible conversations with world's leading minds, fascinating people and game changers. My vision is to help people to learn, practice and transform in all areas of life. I want to make wisdom practical and available for everyone. As a side note, this episode is also available on my YouTube channel. And please don't forget to follow me also on Instagram, Ozkan Ozlem, O-Z-K-A-N-O-Z-L-E-M. Sit back, listen, and hopefully, hopefully, really hopefully, what you will learn today, you will practice and transform. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode of the Bridging Podcast is your host, Özlem Özkan. I am today together with a special guest to my heart, Dan Millman. Dan is a former world champion athlete, university coach, martial arts instructor and college professor. Around a decade ago, even more than a decade ago, I found out about this movie, Peaceful Warrior, adapted from Dan's first book based on his learnings in his life. And I've not watched it only once, but I have watched it countless amount of times especially at moments when I'm actually seeking for peace and at the same time, the power inside of me. Most of the time in the evenings, I watch them for the next day to be in a state of peace. His teachings in the form of his 18 books translated in 29 languages, workshops and speakings have inspired human beings from all walks of life. And you inspire me, Dan. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Muslim, thank you for having me as a guest. Are you okay with starting a heart locking together that we do a short meditation, one, two minutes guided by me? Sure, sure. Is that okay? Uh, you can choose to open your eyes or uh, close them. It's up to you. Focus your attention in the area of the heart. Imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area. Breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. You can inhale for five, exhale for five, or whatever rhythm is comfortable for you. Activate and sustain a generative feeling such as appreciation, care, or compassion. Radiate that renewing feeling to yourself and others for one minute. 
And when you are ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you, Dan. So, my first question, what does peace mean to you, Dan? First of all, let me say I believe everyone is seeking to live with a peaceful heart. But as you noted, there are also times in our lives we need a warrior's spirit to march into daily life and handle the challenges of everyday life, which I view as a form of spiritual weight training. If you don't lift any weights, you don't get any stronger. What peace is not to me is just a passing feeling because there are times feelings change like the weather all the time. Uh, and they're no longer, they're no more under our willful control. Uh, we don't say, I think I'll feel this way now. Actors try to do that, but that's a way to influence emotions through breath and posture and memory from a, another time. But actually in terms of controlling, willing ourselves to feel a certain way, whether it's peaceful or happy, wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? We would just will ourselves all day to be happy or to be peaceful or loving or kind. Uh, um, I, my focus more, this approach to living that I teach, is more about focused on what we actually do. Because our actions, we have more control over by our will than passing thoughts or feelings that appear in our, in our awareness. So what peace means to me is a behavior. Behaving with, with peace in our lives, with kindness, with courtesy, with respect, um, as much as possible. And we all fail at times when we're upset and so on. But it's a practice that gets better like any over time. So to me, that's uh, something we can handle, acting peacefully. But feeling peacefully all the time or happy or anything else, that's more challenging. So when you act peacefully, do you use your willpower? At times. If I'm sitting down meditating or walking in a forest, it's quite easy to feel peaceful uh, or to be peaceful. But if somebody um, um, is upset around me uh, or there's turmoil in my circumstance, then it's more difficult. And that, then I have to exert uh, a conscious intention, let's say. Uh, I, I don't know what, what I don't have to will myself to behave peacefully, but I have to remember uh, that I can bring that. And by the way, in the martial arts, if you're being attacked by multiple attackers in training, mm -hmm. um, that's just the time to breathe, to relax, and to meet them peacefully, but effectively, to restore the balance of the situation. Okay, so. Your uh, latest book in 2022, you wrote 18 books, and the last one was The Peaceful Heart and a Warrior's Spirit. Yes. How do we live in a life where we have a lot of information, a lot of distraction coming our way with our phones, with all meetings we are having, social meetings we are having, our agendas, Everything is kind of throwing a ball to our tennis racket, you know, and we are just playing tennis. How do we live in this life at this moment, more peaceful, maybe with a more peaceful heart and warrior spirit? I'm reminded of a quotation by a writer named Barbara Rasp, classic line. She said, the lesson is simple. The student is complicated. 
And we complicate our lives, uh, uh, diet, sexuality. We complicate all these things that are fundamentally simple and foundational. Um, there are, we live in, in two realities, really. There's the reality right around us, like right now, the room that you're sitting in, the room that I'm sitting in. I hear birds singing outside. The fall leaves are showering down, and it's relatively peaceful. Um, in our immediate circumstances. That's not true for everyone in the world, of course. We know. Um, we read about them. We hear about them. And there's great suffering uh, on the planet. We don't live in an enlightened world yet. We don't see ourselves as essentially unified people. We have tribalism, turf wars, um, conflicting, apparently conflict, conflicting religious beliefs and other beliefs. So the world can be quite complicated. Um, the world doesn't seem peaceful. And, but on one hand, we might also observe that even with what we read about in the newspapers today, the various wars and, and conflagrations, uh, this is actually a more peaceful time in human history. Fewer people are actually being killed than in... Uh, decades ago or a hundred years ago or 500 years ago, or a thousand years ago where the goths and then the huns and the were riding through slaughtering everybody um so despite what we see in the news the world seems to be evolving sometimes we have to rub our nose in it so to speak we have to see the, the really awaken to the difficulties we face and, and this is something about the media. Many people blame the media. You know that mm -hmm. saying, if it bleeds, it leads. That media tends to focus on negative things happening in the world. But the way I view it from a global perspective, if, if your body or mine or one of your listeners or viewers, um, if, if their body feels basically pretty good, except one area of the body hurts, there's pain, what is that pain trying to do is call our attention to something that may need to be addressed, some healing, some balancing, some remediation. And the media somehow serves that purpose, this global interconnected. Now we're seeing the problems all over the world. Used to be people lived in a village and, and everything was local. Uh, if there was a problem with a the grocer, they had to work it out. But now we know what's going on all over the world. So it seems to be murders and killings and wars. Um, and so the media is simply pointing out the sore spots on the body of the planet. Mm -hmm. And if each of us is a cell on that living body, some call Gaia, um, planet Earth, if it's a living creature floating in space, which an acquaintance of mine, I had lunch with Edgar Mitchell, one of the first astronauts who went up in space just a kind of a, a, a rocket jockey, and he came back a mystic because he saw a vision with his own eyes of our planet where we all live together from space, and it changed him forever. It filled him with a sense of awe that never really left, and he spoke and wrote about it ever since then. So if we see the Earth as this living creature that sustains and nourishes us, what are we as individual beings? so-called yeah. individual beings, uh, we may be cells on that planet. And that calls for self-improvement. The better each cell, the healthier, the better it is for the planet. So that's a, a, a big, broad answer. 
uh, how can we be peaceful and live as peaceful warriors? Well, for, again, it's reminding ourselves of the reality of our situation. The media points out the problems, the pains on the body of earth. We can attend to those. At the same time, we live in a, a most of us, moment to moment, in a fairly peaceful environment with birds singing and, and on, walking along the street. Um, so that realization can help bring us back to reality and help us live with our head in the clouds, but our feet on the ground. Um, so, you know, with a peaceful heart, warrior spirit. Now, I call everyone, I view everyone as a peaceful warrior in training because we're all seeking to live with a peaceful heart, but we also know there are times we need a warrior spirit. So we're all peaceful warriors in training. It's not my way, it's our way, hum humanity, and evolving humanity as we stumble toward the light. Wow. There was a lot, actually, Dan. Uh, really, thank you for this. Uh, you know, I want to say, like, why The Peaceful Warrior, the movie, your book has inspired me. Like, I, wa I want to give a backstory of it. You know, I used to, since my childhood, strive so much for so many things, like really like a lion and then just going for it and just wanting to achieve, you know, especially the outcome. Outcome was really important. Without an outcome, I mean, I'm not even going to strive. Just going there. And then the peaceful warrior as an athlete then just, you know, has a huge ego in like really um, wanting to go to the Olympics and being the best, knocking everyone out in his team. You know, I was the same. I mean, the same. I think I might still have moments in my life that I feel like, but that's achievement. And then all of a sudden, then just got into this car accident and shatters his leg. And then the doctors say, hey, we are not sure if you're even able to walk again or how many months it will take. And Dan has one thing in his head, but I want to go to the Olympics and meet so Socrates then and just gets in a training, in a mind training or for how meditation training, meditation in action by cleaning, rubbing toilets, by um, serving people at the tank station, gas station. And then... A moment he surrenders to the idea, my life is about service, serving others. Then with surrender, he gets from Socrates, this, these, the rings where he can, again, do what he loves the most, train. And then eventually by actually focusing on the here and now, he goes to the Olympics, but it doesn't anymore matter for him. It doesn't matter. It just matters for him to be present in the moment. And, you know, when, when my mind is just going uh, 100K an, a minute, I'm like, I'm watching back the movie just to be grounded, to be in the here and now. And you, in this care accident, you know, in the book you wrote down, in a state of shock and disorientation, I asked the doctor if I could still fly overseas in two or three days to train at the World Championship. His only response was, in six months, with some work, you should be able to walk normally again. And then you also write, that injury had expanded my perspectives about what really mattered and generated larger questions about life what questions were they and what was the change 
that's happened to you after this situation, this big event. Right. I did indeed. There, you know, the book mixes autobiographical elements from my life, facts, with some fictional elements for the sake of story and teaching. And the movie is based loosely on the book, as movies usually are, which is fine. Um, it conveyed some of the spirit and, and uh, content of, of the book. Um, so I did indeed shatter my right thigh bone, the large bone in the leg, uh, in about 40 pieces, uh, driving a motorcycle, though I didn't drive as badly as it showed in the movie. <laughs> uh, it just happened. Somebody turned in front of me and boom. Um, and it did shake me up. I'm pointing up right now because that's when I started asking bigger questions. I, you know, young people in their 20s are kind of bulletproof. They imagine themselves that uh, invulnerable, they're going to live forever. Death is just a distant rumor. They don't even think about that. It's just more. Well, I started thinking about it. And um, I started asking bigger questions, not how can I get more talented at sport, but how can I get more talented at life? Uh, the events, the relationships, finances, career decisions, um, all the things we have to deal with in everyday life. And so this teaching is not based, is not focused on people with my background. It's not just for athletes or anybody else. It could be musicians, sensitive people, people of all body types. Um, we're all in this together. I'm very well aware of that now. So, um, and by the way, in the book, I meet Socrates early on. Then I break my leg. But actually, in real life, I shattered my leg before I met the old man. I think that injury opened me up to... Um, to wander into that gas station. I was still on a cane, I think, at that time. And I stumbled on this old man who inspired the character of Socrates, as I explain in my latest book. So the questions, again, it's about developing talent for living. But those questions were living inside me. Uh, and when a question lives inside of us, answers usually come in one form or another. Um, so it sent me around the world. I did travel worldwide, um, but really most everything I learned was in my area in Northern California, where I used to live, now in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, but back then, uh, I worked over a period of 20 years with four primary mentors. These are heavy hitters, really unusual people. Um, I call one the professor because he created a spiritual technology uh, exercises step by step toward enlightenment. Um, then eventually I moved on for reasons I go into in the book and, and I found the guru and Joy and I, my wife Joy and I, now married about 48 years uh, at this time, um, we, uh, we joined this community and we were in it on and off for about eight years um, experiencing another approach to illumination. Uh, devotion to uh, an enlightened uh, authority, let's say. Um, and then later on, I moved on after eight more years or so. Um, and I found the warrior priest who provided many tools, really excited me to start writing again. You know, I hadn't written a book after Way of the Peaceful Warrior for 10 years mm -hmm. until I met the warrior priest. And then so much information, new information came in that I began to write uh, almost a book a year. Uh, and after the warrior priest, I was done with teachers. I felt I'd had the best. But then I came across the sage, the person I call the sage, who brought me back to earth, into everyday life, and back into that present moment, 
awareness. So that's, it's more a journey, full circle journey. We all take in our own way. We each and all take um, back to ourselves and back to the present moment, which is all we have. You know, teachers like me and, and Ram Das would be here now and Tole wrote, you know, The Power of Now. And, uh, even, even the poet Robert Frost uh, said, you know, exact the utmost value from this moment. Be the reality is our bodies can only live in the present moment. It's not some technique. It's not a spiritual technique we have to learn. It's rather about unlearning. Because we mistake uh, what we call memories, those mm -hmm. synapses in our brain that create memories of what we call the past. The past is by definition past, no longer exists. Someone can say, ah, but I know the past exists, Dan, because I have a, a photograph I can show you from my last birthday, and that was in the past. But all that's really happening is they're showing me a photographic image in this moment, talking about a memory. And the future doesn't exist. It's always the future. It's just our imagination. Nothing wrong with that. We can plan our day. We just don't want to get too attached to the plans because life has a way of surprising us. Um, so all we have is this present moment. And if we focus more on that, we're really living in a different way, more intently. We're more focused uh, other than being distracted, not only by our phones. You, know, you mentioned technology and social media. Um, we humans, this is just a, a finger snap in time. We haven't had a chance to adapt to this technology and smartphones and computers and social media, humans are reeling right now. Teenagers are depressed because mm -hmm. their friends look more happy than they are showing their best self on their social media platform. And everyone is trying to be, you know, the biggest mistake we make. And I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but I think this is important. No, please keep going. Yeah. Okay. Um, one fundamental human error we make is that we compare ourselves to other people. We even compare ourselves to our younger selves. I used to be able to do this or that. I used to feel enlightened. Now I'm in a down period. This comparison doesn't serve us. In fact, it's a profound disrespect for our own process. Let me give an example. When I was a coach or I was teaching gymnastics classes, um, I noticed some people could learn a somersault, like on the trampoline, uh, quicker and easier than other people. Yeah. But I also noticed that those who took longer to learn it, if they kept persisting, those who took longer to learn the somersault often learned it better than those who learned it faster. So each of us has to respect our own way of learning and our own way of living. Um, and maybe so also on the stage that we are in right now, maybe we are learning now faster than 10 years ago, or maybe we are learning something now a little bit slower than 10 years ago. So if we keep comparing ourselves with the other, with person X or with our younger self, with ourselves one year ago, then I mean, you are only kind of self-sabotaging yourself. And exactly. that moment, instead of giving yourself energy in order to act more forward, go forward motion. And be a little patient with ourselves, a little gentle. Um, you know, sometimes, as you mentioned, you know, when you were, what, people in their 20s, their teens and 20s can do anything. And they want to go for the gusto. They, and I, I have some people come up to me and, you know, say, Dan, I, I'm doing pretty well, but I'm, I'm not doing 100%. How can I live up to my potential? And I, 
sometimes I joke with them a little bit and say, oh, well, what if you reached your potential yesterday? Um, maybe you can just kind of enjoy life now because you've already hit your potential because it's crazy making. I can be doing better. I can always be doing better and faster and more, more, more. You know, that's why Ram Das, uh, in, in citing the Buddha, Ram Das used to say, and I, I got this line into the movie about two weeks before they started shooting the film. Um, he reminded people that when we, when we don't get what we want, we suffer in the sense of dissatisfaction, mm -hmm. craving. And, and if we get what we really don't want, we also suffer mentally. And even if we get exactly what we want, we still suffer because life is insecure. We can't hold on to anything. There's no guarantees. So um, this idea of flowing with life, accepting ourselves and our process, that's what I often summarize as summary knowledge and summary reminder, is to trust the process of your life unfolding. There'll be peaks and there'll be valleys. And we cannot lose our way. Sometimes it feels like that. People write to me, Dan, I've lost my way. No, they haven't. Because wherever they step, the path appears. They need to trust that path. It will appear as they go. Sometimes when we feel like we're slipping backwards, vegetating, um, we're actually maybe backing up to get a running start. Yeah. So, you know, about this comparing um, ourselves to others or our former self, one year ago, one week ago self, 20 years ago self, we are self-sabotaging, I would say. And there are also a lot of other things where we actually put ourselves really, really down, down, you know, especially people in their 20s, 30s, the comparison what would be like daily or weekly activities we could do in order to really stop this self-sabotage? Because I also believe, that is my opinion about it, sometimes, you know, even we say we don't want this, but by doing it, we are kind of feeding something that we actually want, but we think we don't want it. It's like a habit that we have developed. We keep doing it, keep doing it, keep it, and while we're doing it, we're like sabotaging ourselves. What would be things we could do? Meditation, for example, but what would you say? You ask what we could do if we're sabotaging ourselves. Well, first of all, self-sabotage comes from an afflicted or limited sense of worth. Now, by self-worth, I don't mean entitlement. I mean valuing our innate worth as a human being, doing the best we can day to day, which sometimes is better than other times, um, as we grow and learn and make mistakes, because that's how we learn. We don't learn by succeeding all the time. We learn from our errors. Anybody who's done sports knows that. I used to fail 50 times in the gym. So when we begin to treat ourselves with respect as a worthy uh, individual, we stop self-sabotaging. We don't go, oh, I couldn't accept that. Instead, we open our arms and say, thank you. Thank you. Um, people don't self-sabotage consciously. Uh, someone doesn't wake up saying, hmm, today I think I'll sabotage my relationship. Oh, mm -hmm. no, I did that last week. I'll sabotage my finances today. But yet we've all, we can look back on our lives and say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I make that choice? Um, and it, in a way, it's hardwired in. Um, but I was, the reason I got up um, for a moment is because I want to demonstrate, show something here. If, for those of us who tend to criticize ourselves harshly and beat ourselves up, here's what I recommend. 
And by the way, this is actually very sophisticated, this, this technique, even though it's going to look a little silly. Um, what we want to do, imagine yourself looking in a mirror, or I'm at, I'll, I'll demonstrate. Okay, so I'm really unhappy with myself. And I'll, but what I do is I look in a mirror, I keep eye contact with myself, and I tell myself off while wearing these. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. What were you thinking? You, it's time to grow up and become a more mature person. Now, come on, you can do it. Now, just stop acting like an idiot. Okay. <laughs> the point is, that actually works. Everyone should get one of those pair of glasses, put them on when they're beating themselves up. They'll see where they're coming from. Wow, that's a nice one. You're actually talking as another person to yourself. Yes. Like you're taking a helicopter view instead of like, you know, you, no, no, you're just getting out of that person and being another person. Yeah, but you also see yourself looking ridiculous as you're telling yourself off and you see where you're coming from. Um, you know, we need to treat ourselves with the same compassion. We would treat someone else we care about, a child, let's say, because that little child lives inside of us. No matter how grown up we look, we're still struggling. We're still growing. We're still learning. So, yeah, that's, by the way, that technique works because it's humorous. And the subconscious, call it the inner child, call it what I do in some of my books, the basic self from the Hawaiian tradition. It's our subconscious mind that actually gets to the subconscious. Doing things humorous like that um, really can make a big difference. So it's not just a silly thing that I'm suggesting for amusement. It actually works. Get the glasses or some other funny glasses, put them on and tell yourself off and it'll help break you of the habit. Yeah. So I would do that. I will do that tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I actually, I will do that. If, if something pops up, I'm not going to make it happen. If it happens, it happens. You know, in your book, uh, actually it's related to this last part. Um, then the newest book, Peaceful Heart Warrior Spirit, you write in one of the first chapters that you were once called at school, Dirty Jew. And to be honest, I was called here in Amsterdam or in Alkmaar, another city in the Netherlands, Dirty Turk. My parents are Turkish. I was born and raised here. So when I read that, it just resonated fully with me. And funny enough, my mom is a cleaning freak. And you also wrote down like, I, I don't know. Understand. I was just cleaning myself every day because you were, you know, doing sports. I take showers. <laughs> Why am I dirty? I didn't get it. But I didn't like the tone of voice. That's for sure. Yeah. And so what did that statement do with you? And how did you navigate through your childhood with that? Because, you know, if something really deeply touched you in your childhood, it touched me deeply. I don't know how it was for you. It's sometimes, you know, it, 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 it sometimes it needs another approach. I feel, but how did you, what did it do with you and how did you navigate through your childhoods? Well, it, it, in a way, it was part of a, a series of bullying incidents. I was bullied. I was small in stature, about five foot five, five foot six inches. I don't know what that is in centimeters, sorry. You I know, think 170, 168, 170, okay, something so like that. It's a, a modest stature, which was good for gymnastics, but uh, some kids wouldn't pick on me. Uh, and, and it wasn't because of my Jewish heritage. I, I, I don't identify necessarily closely with, with that heritage, 
though I appreciate it. My, you know, grandparents were all from Ukraine. Um, uh, but in that instant, in that moment, since you asked me about it, I was confused. I I'd never heard anything like that before. Um, and so I, I kind of shrugged it off, but I, it, it seemed irrational. I didn't know that person very well at all. Why would they say something mean to me? They didn't know me. If, if they knew me and said something, well, I could understand. <laughs> um, so that it was more confusion. Uh, it was, I didn't even take it as an insult. I didn't know what they were talking about exactly. Um, so, but the bullying incidents were something more real. I mean, kids pushing me or hitting me. Um, so that's what developed an interest in martial arts to learn self-defense because uh, I, I didn't like to get, to get picked on. And that, that helped determine maybe a future direction, um, the, uh, the inception of, of the peaceful warrior's way. By the way, you know where that term came from, Osmond? Um, I was teaching a course. Well, if you read the book, you, you know, but your listeners don't know. So I was teaching a course at Oberlin College in Ohio. I was an assistant professor there. Um, and it was Aikido and Tai Chi, two flowing martial arts. Um, so that we did 10 weeks on one, 10 weeks on the other. And I was going to call it naturally the way of the warrior or the path, you know, of the warrior, but it didn't quite fit because they were more internalized, more receptive martial arts, not as aggressive in some ways. Aikido is not really an effective form of self-defense, except in the larger sense, you can flow with people and situations. It's a wonderful aesthetic martial dance form in my view. Um, but it's a great philosophy to flow and blend with whatever comes at you in life. And Tai Chi also, uh, you know, Tai Chi, is, people say, oh, that's the slow motion art, right? I go, oh, no, Tai Chi is very fast. It's only the beginning level for the first 20 years or so where it's very slow. Um, and again, it can teach some skills of, of self-defense, as can Aikido, getting out of the way and so on. But they teach deeper lessons. So I was going to, I said, it struck me. I went, why don't I call it the way of the peaceful warrior? And that's the first time I came up with that term. And when I wrote the book several years later, it just seemed like a natural title for the book. And I, it was only later that I realized how much it applies to everyone. You know, in training. You know, for me, it feels almost like you no know, worldly things and spiritual things in one. Like when you say warrior, for me, it feels like, like <laughs> the peaceful makes it also like really going deep inwards. And we can be warriors, but in a peaceful way, you know, the combination of both. Because for me, this peaceful almost feels only prayer or something inside and the warriors outside in the world are just going. But when combining both of them, you can still uh, reach some goals that you're having in your life, but on a peaceful way, combining with your inner self, with the inner energy, because we all know, I mean, if you, if I want to reach my goal, you know, in the past, it really didn't matter for me what other kids were just feeling. I was like, no, I just want to win in this hockey or whatever other things that we were playing on the street. I didn't really care it really in that way. But we all, I also felt at home like, oh, it's really bad that, that she feels that. But the achievement was so important. And, you know, 
the more you evolve in life, sometimes you don't even want to achieve anymore if it hurts that other person. But the combination of both, I, I love, love it. It's really one of my favorite, favorite stories so far. Um, another question then. In the book, your newest book, um, you uh, mention a Chinese proverb. Teachers open the door. We must enter by ourselves. When are we ready to enter it by ourselves? Well, one of the central principles that I teach, and all I can do is offer reminders of what we already know at deeper levels, but we tend to forget. I can offer observations and suggestions. And one of those principles, um, it, it floated away. Remind me again, you were asking. I was saying, when are we ready to enter? It's by ourselves because the teachers open the door and yes. we must enter by ourselves. Right, right. Well, the idea of personal responsibility, um, that ultimately we're responsible for our choices Though there are different theories, I don't want to get into the area of free will, whether it's determinism or free will and all that. But, um, I, you know, there's something that wants to come in, wants to come through. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting for it for a moment. Um, yes. If we view daily life as, well, if we view planet Earth as a school for souls, wouldn't that be an interesting thing if Earth, its purpose, were to school souls so they evolve? Um, and daily life is our classroom. And some people ask, well, well if, if daily life is our classroom, what courses do we have to take to graduate? And I do write about those in, in one of my books. I'll be happy to get into that in a moment. But what I wanted to say is lessons. We, we've all noticed that lessons repeat themselves until we learn them, right? And yes. if we don't learn the easy lessons, what happens? They you get the difficult, hard lessons. Exactly. And that's a perfect school. Some, eventually, life gets our attention. In other words, what I'm actually suggesting is that daily life is guaranteed to teach us everything that we need to learn in order to evolve as human beings. People were evolving before there were books, before there were seminars. And people ask me, well, wait a minute, Dan, you write books and you teach seminars. Why do you do that if daily life is gonna teach us all we need? And the answer to that is a good book, a good seminar, a good experience can help us learn more, more easily from the lessons of everyday life. And so that's the idea of walking through the door. Teachers can only do so much. And ultimately, again, daily life, the natural world has always been my primary teacher. One of my little books, I don't know if you, you happen to have read it, but it's called The Laws of Spirit. And some people say it's the favorite book of, that, of, of mine that they've read. Um, it's a little book, but it's about an ageless woman sage I meet in the mountains. And she teaches me these 12 laws. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it helps us to learn more from everyday life. That's the purpose of everyday life. Speaking of purpose, um, 
we are uh, that was the next question here oh, but keep going yes no, we are absolutely. so synchronized we are so synchronized keep we, going we please well it, it is a fundamental area of my teachings i mean one of my books is called the life you were born to live a guide to finding your life purpose um another book is called living on purpose um and a, a small book is called the four purposes of life so yes it's a central part of my teaching because you know when i see my little granddaughter when she was younger crawling across the floor. I have three grandkids right, right to here in town with, with, near Joy and me, uh, and we're active grandparents. Um, when she's crawling across the floor, she's not doing it to get a workout because she, she need, thinks she needs some exercise. She wants her big brother's toy. So she, from her uh, A, point A, she wants to get to point B. So we're hardwired goal seekers uh, from the beginning. And so, um, well, look, in the Peaceful Warrior movie, you know, Dan, the character Dan, follows Socrates up this big mountain, a steep uh, hill. And when he gets to the top, Dan has a revelation. And he, you may remember, he, you know, he said, Yes, hey, I remember here. very well. He is like, hey, what, where did we come for? Where is it? What? What yeah, are we going yeah, to look at? The stone? Right, right exactly. <laughs> it better not be this rock, you know. And, and, but then he has a revelation, and Dan realizes, he said, you know, Socrates, it's really not the destination that makes us happy. It's the journey. Now, there's some wisdom in that, because most of our lives are spent on a journey between here and there, climbing a mountain path. But without a destination in mind, there is no journey. Mm. We just wander around. So we need a destination. I would define success differently from the way it's traditionally defined. To me, real human success is making progress toward a meaningful goal. Hmm. We seem to be happiest. Um, you know that book, Flow. Uh, I, yes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his me, name me, correctly. Mikhail Chikminsai, is it? Yes. Uh, and, and the word, the idea of being in the flow, being in the zone. I call it Satori, is when we're moving in a, in a focused way towards something. We seem happiest as human beings when we're pursuing a goal, not necessarily reaching it, because when we reach it, we've got to find another goal. We can't just stop and say, well, yeah, now what? There's always something. We climb one mountain, we want to climb another mountain. Um, you know, the astronauts became depressed. They went to the moon. What do you do after that? And they say, well, I've done that, but what's the rest of my life? A postscript? So we need to find goals in our lives, something that we move toward. For some of us, it's playing a card game, or it doesn't have to be anything big. For some of us, it's a big mission, a big purpose. Mm -hmm. But every day, the, the most important purpose in our lives is the one that appears moment to moment. I know my purpose right now in this moment, sharing with you. You know your purpose. Your listeners know theirs. So it's easy to know your purpose in this moment, harder to know your cosmic ultimate purpose. Yeah, that's that's such a such a nice one, uh, Dan. So without a destination, you don't have the journey. You need to know the destination. Either it's playing now or just being here now on the podcast. This is destinations. We are having a conversation here, right? That right. is in and the journey is including of the destination. I was actually going to ask this about the purpose, like also in the book, you mentioned everything has a purpose. It's up to you to find it. 
how did you find out what your purpose is and what would you like recommend also others? Because it's sometimes it is really a big thing. Like I myself, you know, like the goal oriented person, like just going there, going there, going here, doing that. You know, at some time, it's there some phases in my life. Sometimes I just lose it. And I'm just like, I have been doing this now for a while. This, 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 this. And there are so many options. That's the point too. My Both of my parents, they are primary school educated. So their only uh, aim was let our kids study in the Netherlands. They are born here. Let's give them a good future. And the, the options for them were limited. That's how they have experienced it. At least they worked in factories. My mom was a housewife. And now we, I mean, I'm, we are super privileged. My brother and me and my sister, we studied here at school at, uh, in the Netherlands and we can do kind of anything. But sometimes that anything, that big amount of spectrum you can do can make you also kind of feel lost. Like, what is it then? You know, and, and then comparing can also come into place. You're going to compare what are my friends doing? What is he doing? What is she doing? And then the share, you know, the, the talks in your heads, they are just getting bigger and bigger. And then you're, what is my purpose? So how do we find it? Right. Well, that's why I wrote the little book, The Four Purposes of Life, because just as we divide the points on a compass into four primary directions and the days of the year into four primary seasons, by looking at our lives through the filter of these four purposes I described, um, it helps us get a handle on our lives, a sense of meaning, purpose, and direction. Because I believe what we want more even than happiness, like, like as if the end goal of human evolution is just to walk around with a big smile on our face, mm -hmm. I think what we really want is a sense of meaning and purpose and direction. So there may be an overriding purpose in our lives. By the way, I will recommend anyone uh, can go to a, a website called Life purposeapp.com lifepurposeapp.com it's web-based even though it used to be an app for the smartphones now it's just web-based um they can it will be in the episode notes okay good yeah they can put their their um uh, date of birth in and in fact they can also put the date of birth as, of a sig significant other a wife husband partner whatever and see the composite energy between them but it gives a number like a frequency. Uh, there are 45 different frequencies for anyone born uh, in the last, well, since 1750. Um, and it will give a number, but it'll also give some, a taste of some fundamental things we're here to do in our lives. And obviously, if you divide 45 into the population of the planet, millions of people are working each of those life paths. But we're more than a number, of course. We have our own genetic heritage, our own life experience. So each of us is unique. And yet, just as I could point to a tree outside and say that tree is unlike any on the planet, exactly, in terms of every, the angle of every branch and leaf and stem, uh, in that same way, each of us has a unique story. There's not a single story on the planet exactly like ours. But we also fall into patterns just as oaks, oak trees are different from aspens or birches or redwoods. So there are patterns we fall into that we approach in our own way in more or less mature ways. And that's what I describe, and they can, people can find it at lifepurposeapp.com. Um, 
also in the book, The Life You Were Born to Live, which is, you know, over a million copies in print. Um, people have found it unusually accurate. Um, so I'm not going to go into that much more, but I just wanted to describe that. Now, the four purposes of life, the first is learning life's lessons. We're here to learn. I said a few things about that already. Life is a school. And there are 12 courses that I outline in that book that we need to pass in order to graduate. Um, the second purpose is finding our career and our calling. Most people think of that as their purpose. What kind mm -hmm. of work should I do in the world, right? Um, yes. And, and, but we need to differentiate work, which we do for, uh, to produce an income, which is a very functional, practical thing. We may enjoy our work and find it meaningful, but still, if we weren't getting paid anything for it, we'd have to find something else. But then there's the calling, which is, could be a hobby, a way we'd, we choose to spend our discretionary time and things we just enjoy. So that's a calling, whether it's playing a musical instrument, whether or not that becomes a, a means of support, we can still enjoy it in our, off, in our other moments. So finding our career and calling is the second purpose. The third, I already mentioned, it's the life purpose number, the life path, finding our own life path uh, and, and like shedding light on it where we were stumbling in the dark. So that's where that, the book, The Life You Were Born to Live, can help. And finally, the fourth purpose I already mentioned, which is our purpose in this moment. So many of us, you know, are at a certain age, maybe in our mid to late 20s, early 30s, we go, yeah, but what am I here to do? I, I tried this, I tried that kind of work. Um, this is where self-knowledge comes in. Every educational uh, psychological and spiritual school agrees the importance of self-knowledge. Know thyself. It was written over the temple at Delphi and the oracles. Know thyself. And specifically speaking, um, you see, if we don't know ourselves, and people in their 20s really have a limited amount of self-knowledge. There's a lot of self-persona, uh, of self-presentation, of pretense what we offer to the world, but we fear showing our whole self. So working with our shadow side and becoming whole is part of that, those 12 courses I mentioned previously. The point is, if we don't know ourselves well enough, we make the right choices mm -hmm. for the wrong person, the one we oh. thought we were. So we've all, we've all had that experience in relationships, in, in, in a career, and you were going to say? I was going to say, like, you know, I was just going to state it one more time. If we don't know ourselves good enough, we are going to make the right choices for the wrong person, for the person that we think we are. And, and, and you talked about shadow, our shadow. You know, I wrote a book, My Self-Awareness Journey, where I also, as a subtitle, wrote down uh, Embracing My Light and Darkness. Because, you know, there is also a darker side of you in a certain situation that you are in. If I am having a uh, conflict with person X, it's not only person X, and but it's easy for me to say person X did this to me. Duh, 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 duh. But there is also a part in me that has created that, that is responsible for the situation that yeah. is created. And yeah. once... And it's very important that you face that. But I would like to hear like your thoughts around that shadow that we are having and how do we navigate 
through that because it can also easily make people because why don't we want to why don't people want to see their shadow because they are scared i mean they might be very bitter to it instead of compassionate and lovingly approaching it so what are your thoughts around shadow right um carl jung the noted psychoanalyst mystical psychoanalyst jung said um, illumination or enlightenment consists not just in the seeing of luminous shapes and visions but in making the darkness visible. He added, the latter procedure, however, is more difficult and therefore unpopular. So seeing ourselves realistically, how do we do that? Well, dream analysis is one approach. It can take a long time uh, because every, everything we dream about reflects a part of our everyday reality, uh, a facet of our character. You know, somebody once came up to me and said, hey, Dan, you seem like a nice guy. I said, sometimes. Because sometimes I'm this and sometimes I'm that. Life is a series of moments. We have intelligent moments, stupid moments. We have kind moments and less kind moments. Um, so the idea is to increase our illumined moments, our kind moments, our happy moments in life. Because that's more realistic than just saying, I'm this way all the time. So seeing our shadow um, and shadow work is not about uh, find, uh, discovering our inner Darth Vader. <laughs> it's more about seeing those parts we've disowned, we've denied. That's not part of me. And one example I give is somebody who grows up in a tough environment. They may say, I'm only tough. I'm only bad. Don't mess with me. And they may have, what they've shoved off into their shadow is that nourishing, vulnerable uh, um, part of themselves, that sensitive part that they've disowned and they become uh, only one facet of who they could be fully. Or let, let's other people who are very privileged, they grow up in a wealthy environment maybe and they do a lot of yoga classes. I've spoken with some young men who wear all white and beads and when I shake their hand, you know, they just hold my fingertips. I don't know what in me, I just want to slap them around a little bit. They're not, they're not being whole either. They're saying, I'm only peaceful. I'm only kind. We've seen people like that. Namaste. But the point is, they also have, their shadow is their assertive side, even aggressive side, that they've pushed off. That's not me. But we are all things. We potentially, we can bring our assertive side. We can live with a peaceful heart, but also recognize that warrior part of us. There's the balance inner and outer, male, female, east and west. We can be whole in that way. We can become more authentic. That's the advantage of working our shadow. And But specifically, for people who say, yeah, that's all very interesting, Dan, but what about my career? What am I going to do? And so this aspect of self-knowledge is asking three questions. What are my talents? What are my values? What are my interests? Many of us mistake what we, we think we're interested in with something our parents or others think we should do. We think, oh, I should do this, rather than, but am I really interested in it? Joseph Campbell used to say some people climb to the top of their professional ladder and then discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. So if you find out 
that in you, if you find out that your head is kind of talking to you, like, actually, I should do this, but I'm interested in that. What is then the number one thing you could do? Because I'm sure many listeners would be like, yeah, I know I'm feeling it, but I'm so somehow attached to that. I should do, but actually I don't want to do. Yeah. Well, again, that it only comes with a life experience. We have to find out what we're not good at before we find out what we're good at. We have to find out what we're not interested in before we say, but this really interests me. And we have to give ourselves permission. You know, I used to, it's an idealistic saying, but I used to remind my daughters, do what you love and get someone to pay you for it. And I know that's idealistic because not everybody will necessarily pay you for playing video games, but some people do it professionally. So the point is we have, it takes time, maybe 10 years after college to discover What are my values really? What are my talents? What am I good at and not good at? And what are my uh, interests? And differentiate what I'm actually interested in. And as the more, better we know that, the more we start to look for opportunities. Uh, we, we navigate our way through the world and start to find out things that work better for us. Uh, sometimes we take work because it's the best available thing at the time, which is great. And, and uh, but meanwhile, we can keep our eyes open as we evolve. See, by the way, let me, let me close because I know we're almost out of time. Let me close with one of the most fundamental, uh, respectful, uh, essential teachings I have to offer, which is there is no best book, no best teacher, no best religion, no best philosophy, no best path, no best exercise system. No best diet. There is only the best for each of us at a given time of our life. Life is an experiment. We have to find out what works for us. And that evolves over time. I love, love, love that, Dan. I really love that. Thank you. Where can people find you? Join your seminars. Maybe you have online courses or, you know, we will put all the books that you mentioned in the episode notes for sure. But Instagram, you have Instagram like Dan Millen PW. Yes, Dan Millen PW Instagram. Yeah, somebody recently hacked my Facebook page. I still don't have control over it, so I wouldn't go to Facebook yet, but I'll have it back soon enough. Uh, the best place probably is my website, which is peacefulwarrior.com. There's a lot of fun things there people might enjoy. Um, so I would invite them, and they can contact me if they want to through peacefulwarrior.com slash contact. And okay. reach out if they want to. I do do my best to answer emails that are sent to me through my office. Thank you so, so much, Dan, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. If you have loved it, please leave a review. If you did not love it, please also leave a review. And so I can make a better one next time. And if you want to know more about the workshops and courses I am teaching, visit my website, ozkanozlem.com. I will spell it for you. It's a Turkish name, O-Z-K-A-N-O-Z-L-E-M.com. May you be the best version of yourself today. Bye for now. Bye.